Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Just want to share for a few minutes today. I've titled my message, God Makes Trees, Not Tables. The seed thought came from uh, T.D. Jakes that Jeremy sent me a a thing, and and it just grew in my heart. And you're thinking, what on earth has that got to do with it? Well, you'll get it pretty quickly. Ephesians 2, 7 to 10 in the message says, Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he's he's gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. So salvation is by grace and the finished work of the cross and we trust him. But then he said, I want you to partner with me and do lots of good works through the the journey of your life. We don't do good works to earn salvation. That's called religion and man's effort to get right with God. He's already done that. But then he says, now that you know me, I want you to partner with me and do as many good works as you can across the world from a heart of love, not to try and earn going out of you. Verse 10 in the Amplified says, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Well, have a look at each other. You're a work of art, God says. How awesome is that? Your personality, your gifts, your experience, your smile, your words of life, those, all those skills that God's given you, it says you're a work of art. It goes on and says, Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works. There it is again. Which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. How awesome is our God that he's saved us, he's made us, created us, to bring his life and love and good works through our words, our hearts, our hands, our actions, all that we are and do, he said, I've made you for his good works. Well, that's okay to get excited about that, but how do we consistently do good works? We see some people doing amazing good works. I just got four key points. How can you fulfill God's good works through your heart and your life? Number one, to be led by the Spirit to get on with life. When you're filled with the Spirit, God says, go out like Sean and just do what God calls you to do. Whether it's with your neighbor, your friend, your workplace, our school, our church, our community, wherever, just get on green light philosophy, not a red light philosophy. What's that mean? Some people have a red light or an orange light on and they have to wait for God to give five confirmations on a green light before they do anything for God. You know, we just want everything to be confirmed a hundred times before we'll do anything. I live with a green light philosophy. God saved me, fill me with the Spirit, put desires in my heart. Let's just go and do it. And if you're doing it wrong or you need to adjust, he'll give you an orange light or a red light. It's a lot better way to live because God's created us to be full of his Spirit and love and just to get out and do good works. You don't have to pray and ask God whether you should bake a cake for your neighbor. That's just good works. 
You don't have to pray whether you offer to help the neighbor who's uh, got a broken leg to help offer mow their lawn. You don't need a word from God. Just do it because that's kindness and goodness. You don't need a word from God to share Jesus with someone who's in need or to pray a prayer of hope for their broken family or their broken heart or their broken body. You don't need a word from God because he said, go and do it. I live with a green light philosophy because he's made us for good works. Whatever your skill set, he's created us that way. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So worship, when we pray, when we delight and surrender our lives to God, it says he'll give you the desires. He'll start to give his desires into your desires and they'll flow together and be entwined together. You say, was it your idea? Was it God's idea? They are entwined together and just flow with it. And if you're heading off track, the Lord's got a million and one ways to adjust you and slow you down or correct you. But he loves us when we just get up and go. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We don't need a confirmation of that. It's, God's already told us to go and share those good deeds. God has called us to partner with him. Sometimes we pray for, maybe you, you need a, a, some furniture. So you pray for a table and he answers our prayer by sending you a tree. We pray for some provision, so he answers your prayer by giving you a job. You want some money? He says, here's an opportunity or an idea. So God wants you and I to partner with him. And we often have this mentality, God, help me. He does. He sends us an opportunity or an idea or a person or a skill that then you can partner. And that's the green light philosophy, the good deeds that he's prepared in advance for us. And sometimes as believers... We pray and ask God to do things that he said, no, I'm not going to do it because I've already done it and you go and do it. It's your turn. And I'm not saying we take over from God. God's sovereign. He adjusts us and leads us. But I think sometimes as Christians, we're waiting for God to do what he's already told us to do, to use our skills, to use our hearts. We pray that we can affect the next generation so he gives us three children so you can sow in and raise them in the ways of God. He gives you a sphere of influence in your classroom, in your doctor's surgery, in your neighborhood, in your place of care to influence the next generation. God has called us to good works. God's given us a brain and a spirit to create things. God's given us a tree and he's given us a brain to create furniture, tables, buildings. God gives us raw elements to use and make things out of. He's given us seeds to plant in our own minds and hearts or to plant in other people's minds and then we water them with prayer and faith and see what will grow. And that's awesome, isn't it? When you sow into some new Christians and you watch them just get excited and grow. I love watching the transformations, men and women, to see them how they think, hey, I can be free. And you watch them and you sow the seed and the team water that in there. And we do it with one another and we see that excitement grow because God's trusted you and I to do good works that will honour him and help change our world. And I thank God for his privilege and breakthrough for that. He often will give us an idea. We think, oh, that's an interesting idea. It's probably the Holy Spirit answering your or someone else's prayer. How awesome is it, not only when you pray... But how awesome is it when God uses you to be the answer to someone else's prayer? They pray for help and so God sends you 
to that person whose family is in chaos and you're able to sow some hope. So I want us to pray, but I want us to be available through good deeds to be the answer to someone else's prayer. And this church does it all the time. And I thank God for that. And I believe God wants us to imagine what, think, what things and people could be like when you see them through the eyes of faith. What are people like when they see them through? She wants to come and be a preacher, hey? Ready for action already? I watched her worshipping Jesus in the service. Hey, <laughs> loves God's presence. <laughs> I believe God wants us to see people as he sees them. What could people be like when you see people through the eyes of faith? And right now we're praying for change in our uh, federal government scene and some of the bills that are before parliament and, and the same-sex marriage and uh, freedom of religion. There's some huge challenges there. I talked to a pastor this week who I know well and God has positioned him because he comes from a politician's family. He's a spiritual Christian. He is now in a place talking to some of the top politicians of our country to try and persuade them to make good laws. Now, he said, we can pray and we need to pray, but then God will answer and send a Joseph or a Daniel into the place because they won't listen to you and I. They need to listen to someone who thinks as they think, can understand their world, place all the facts out. That's the only way you're going to change their minds. God, we pray and then God sends someone who's equipped at their level to speak their language. If you want to change, uh, if you want to be, uh, speak to business people, they'll only listen to you if you've got made money and you're successful. They won't listen to you. They won't, they won't treat you with credibility unless you have that sphere of influence. In the medical world, you can come and say, I've got a great idea. They won't listen to you unless you've built credibility and experience and speak their language. And God wants to use your skill set. So we can change policy. We can adjust things. We can reach a broken person. You talk to someone to help them in their family, they won't listen to you if your family's chaos. But if you've got credibility, you will listen. That's where God creates us for good works and he uses your experience, your love, your life and all of those things. And God's teaching us as people, as his church, to do these good deeds and change our society, to influence it. To be a Joseph or a Daniel, to be someone who can change it. How do we do good works? Number two, don't be sidetracked, distracted or give up through fear or weariness. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. You know, we come to the Christmas season, Herod tried to destroy the baby Jesus he tried to stop what he knew was going to be powerful. The enemy will try and stop an idea. He'll try and stop a ministry in the early stages before it becomes successful because he knows how powerful it is. Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. The word abundance means to the full till it overflows. The enemy strives to destroy Christians, their credibility, or their God-given ideas and dreams. But don't give up because our God's great. And there are people here all over this um, church and community that have got credibility to speak life into all different areas of society. And that's what God's given us. God will stir some of you to, to train, to study, to equip so that you can change the sphere of influence that you're in. James 4.7 says, 
So submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. Wow, we need to have that confidence, that authority in the name of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He makes his kingdom real to your life and mine, wherever we are. And even some of the brokenness we go through becomes the very tools that connects you to other broken people so you can bring healing. So whether it's coming from a place of success or a place of brokenness, when it's surrendered to God, he can turn it into his good deeds and good works that change other people's lives. And I thank God that he uses us for his glory. Thirdly, God has called us to be good people and to do good. Luke 6.65 says, or 45, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks, the heart is full of. I've always said, if you listen to someone long enough, you'll find out what's really in their heart. You ask enough questions and listen for long enough, they can initially tell you and give you all sorts of impressions, and we're all good at it because we all want to be accepted. But if you listen long enough, you'll find out what's really inside a person's heart or soul. And I believe that God wants us to have good stored up. How do you store up good? By loving a good God, by letting his goodness fill your heart, by reading his word and letting truth lead you and goodness will be stored in your heart so when there's a moment an opportunity goodness is going to come out of your mouth and goodness is going to come out of your actions that's the hard grind of being a disciple of Jesus every day just filling yourself with goodness love truth life and out will come second Corinthians 9 8 says and God is able to bless you abundantly thank you Jesus So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Wow. God's filling us up, not so we love a a nice service, so that you, we've had a great time in the presence of God today, so each of us can go out and live and do good deeds throughout the week. We can have his presence and love and truth flowing in our families, out into our neighborhood and our community. Galatians 6.9, I love this one. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. You ever get worn out? You know, you start helping one family and then before you know it, you've got 10 families. And then, and then it's like, oh, you just get worn out and thinking, oh no, how am I going to keep up? We've all been down that track. Anyone that's served or ministered to others can get weary. Weary is even worse than tiredness. Tiredness, you have a sleep and you wake up refreshed. Weariness is where it drains your soul and it sometimes takes days or weeks or months to get fully restored. And some of us have been down that track. But it says, don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. How many times do we give up just on the brink miracle? Just on the breakthrough, that's when the enemy presses us the most to give up. When you're believing for a breakthrough from that addiction or that cycle of destruction, you're pressing and you're praying and believing, and sometimes we just give up when we think it's just too hard. Just go another day, another week, another month, it'll be the moment of breakthrough because you never know when that's going to come and God's there with us it says don't be weary in doing good don't give up it says we will reap a harvest if we do not give up 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We learn how to do good deeds in the church, in the family of God. If we don't do it right, they're probably not going to beat us up. They're going to give us a second chance because we're filled by grace, aren't we, folks? Yeah. So we learn in the church family how to love and, and, and do good deeds. And then we can do it to the community of not, not yet believers, some that are even hostile and others that just don't understand Christian life. But we live it out in his truth and his grace. And I believe that God's there. Colossians 1.10 says, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Every time I go to a funeral, it challenges me to think about, what will people say at my funeral? I'm not morbid about it, but just you have those moments. And you wonder, well, I wonder if people say, well, he was a good man. Or he did good deeds. You sometimes think about because I do lots of funerals. And we need to have God's grace in our lives. It keeps me sharp and says, Lord, help me to live every day fully for you. Just living in over... We're all only one heartbeat away from eternity. And that is a challenging and scary thought. But it's also a motivating thought saying, it's not a fearful thought for me. It motivates me to live my life fully every day to make it count for Jesus. I don't live out of fear. I live motivated with love and truth and grace in my life. God wants us to influence people in our society for good in your area of education, medicine, politics, media, sport, business, creative arts, caring, welfare, family, and you can just keep the list going on and on. Let's be doing those good works that God's prepared in advance for us. It's no accident that you're wired up with a skill that can create or make or repair things, whether it's people or computers or cars or whatever it is, because some of us can't do it. Every now and then someone says, I don't know how you can be a pastor with all those people needs. And I look at them and say, well, I've got no idea how you're a doctor because I'd be fainting the first time I saw some blood. I've got no idea how you got the grace and patience to be a nurse or a teacher. You know, so we're all wired up differently. So don't put yourself down. Say, God, you've prepared me in advance for what I'm doing or what I'm going to do. And that gives you a sense of value and worth and confidence that we can do those good works that God has prepared for you and I to do. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans. It's a pretty strong word, but this is what the Word of God says because there was a lot of people that were so anti-God and there was severe persecution. It says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. Not listen to how well you can talk not listen to all your promises, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Wow, wow, wow. That's the language the community understands is your good deeds. Your kindness, your care, your love, your supporting a broken family, you're reaching out to help someone in need, you're giving someone another chance that everyone else has written off. Your good deeds is what gives people favor and grace and lastly if we want to continue to live a life of good works just follow Jesus who's our example I know it's a caption but people say what would Jesus do sometimes you've got to ask yourself that question what would Jesus do in this conflicted workplace 
where there's relationships out of order or a manipulator or a controller. What would Jesus do in this family situation? It's really good to honestly ask yourself that question and let the Holy Spirit show you. I love this verse. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good. Wow, wow, wow. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and power. He could raise people from the dead. He could point to sickness and command it to be loosed. And it says Jesus was anointed. And what did he do? He went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. I love Jesus' example. He went around comforting, encouraging, loving, supporting. Peter's out catching fish. Jesus already caught some. I wonder whether he caught them by a net or just commanded them to jump out of the river because it says he was already baking the fish when Peter came in. There's some, I'd just love to see the videotape of some of those stories when I get to heaven. But he was doing good. Good deeds, kindness, love, care, truth. He went around doing good and healing and releasing people from the strongholds of darkness. It's not either or, it's both. Wow, both. Being a good neighbour. Do you have a good reputation in your neighbourhood? I pray that you do. Occasionally, I hear people who say they've got this great ministry and then I meet one of their neighbours and they start telling me, they don't know I know this person, they start telling me the story. We've got this religious, crazy family down the street and I put two and two together where the address, I said, oh, tell me, tell me what happens. This was on the Sunshine Coast, not in Harvey Bay, so just relax. <laughs> Some of you are getting nervous right there. <laughs> and this, this couple, they thought they had this amazing ministry of prayer and deliverance and healing people. But I knew their family was a bit chaotic and I just happened to meet some of the neighbours and they told me the stories that just confirmed my concerns but I was so disturbed I'm thinking God they're not doing good works they've destroyed their credibility in the neighborhood so anything they might attempt to do for others it's totally destroyed because they're not doing good works now that's not a condemning thing if you're wrestling through a journey God's grace helps us but keep growing don't stay there and deny brokenness we've all on a journey as Tim was sharing we all take time in the desert to heal and restore from stuff that sometimes tears our souls and you can't wait till you're perfect before you start to minister because it'll be too late when you get to heaven because we can't minister to the broken and lost there so we're all on a journey of grace but I say let's do good works let's have a good reputation with the people we work with and with our neighbors sure none of us are perfect but we're on a journey of grace and I think Lord help us to flourish and it says because God was with him let's wrap it up today and we'll go back to the first verse as the worship team comes Ephesians 2 10 says for we are God's handiwork workmanship wow what a beautiful thought created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do He's created us to be worshippers. He's created us to be lovers of him. He's created us to shine his glory. He's created us to pray. He's created us to do lots of things. But at the heart of his cry, 
He says, I've created you to reflect my kingdom by doing good works. Not to earn God's favour, but to let his love and favour flow through us to touch the needy around us. And every day we've got opportunity to good works. The Lord will nudge your heart to just give someone some money or food. Or you've got three of something and God says, give one of them away to someone in need. Many of you do it all the time. This is not a, a message to stir us up to do what we're not, but to give us more understanding that sometimes we pray for some furniture and God will give us a tree and said, make it into some furniture. <laughs> he will give us an idea that will help others in need because God loves us so much. Let's stand in his presence. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.